Playing Dark Souls cured my depression. The Soulsborne games saved my life. Dark Souls helped me cope with suicidal depression. These are the kind of posts you'll find if you look up Dark Souls and depression online. I recently began playing the first Dark Souls game. While exploring various online communities, particularly Reddit and YouTube, I came across this phenomenon of people claiming that the Dark Souls and similar video games helped or cured their depression. As a journalism student, this is something I wanted to look into further. I wanted to hear people's stories about how this game helped them, as well as the opinions of various professionals about using the game as a form of therapy. And so here I am, making a podcast about a game which I don't know a great deal about. But thankfully, I don't need to be an expert about them. Earlier this year, I put out a call for help on Reddit to find people who had played some of the Soulsborne games and found it helped with their depression. In this episode, I'm joined by one of these people to help explain what the Soulsborne games are and how the themes and mechanics that appear throughout these games resonate with feelings of depression. I'm Jackson Reed, and this is the first episode of the Don't Go Hollow podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Zachary Anderson. I'm 18, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee. My work history right now, I'm not working. Um, I have tendonitis and my right Achilles, and so I'm doing physical therapy to strengthen that back up, and I'll be back in about a month working again. My hobbies are performance arts and fire dancing and object manipulation. Can you tell me more about the fire dancing? Um, so with fire dancing, my sister got me into it actually last year. Around the time quarantine was happening, she was living with me and my family, and she did this thing called the levy wand. And it's um, the way to explain it, it's like this long wand and it's about two to three foot long and it has a string attached to it and you hold the string and it makes it look like it's floating and you can do tricks with it. And so it's object manipulation. And then from that, I found that there was other props that you could use. And I found the staff and I thought the staff looked so cool. Just like from like an outsider perspective, I was like, oh my goodness, I could look like a wizard from this. Like, this is so <laughs> cool. And so that's what I wanted to do. And then I learned that there was fire dancing and fire performing and people like their props on fire. And so that was like my instant goal was I want to fire perform. And so I just fire performed for my first time two weeks ago and I'm going to keep on going. I want to perform for others and that's what I want to do for my career. Yeah. Awesome. How long have you been into video games in general? Like before, like before you played <laughs> I like, love the this games? Yeah. I really do love this question that you're asking me. Um, I started video games at a very young age. I think like, I learned about video games whenever I was younger, just off arcades. But the first real video game I played was on my father's Xbox and it was Halo Combat Evolved. And so that's how I started and I was only three years old. And so like I was fighting these aliens, had no idea what I was doing. And so, yeah, yeah. that's how I got into video games. Bad. Yeah, Combat Evolved was one of the first games I played. Is it like same situation really? on my dad's Xbox? Yeah, I, I might've been a little bit older. Um, I was probably like five or six or something when mm. I started getting into Halo. Um, yeah, cool. At what stage did you find out about the Dark, well, like the Soulsborne games and start start wanting to play them? Um, I found out about the Soulsborne games um, right about the time quarantine hit. 
So when my sister moved back in with my family, um, my brother-in-law did too. And he actually has been playing the Dark Souls games for a while now. I think he started on Dark Souls 1 and then worked. No, he, he started on Dark Souls 2. And so I found about the games from Dark Souls 3 whenever he was playing on his PlayStation one day. It looks so medieval-esque. And yeah. it's like it had a different approach to it, though, with the medieval-esque different from Skyrim and all the other games that I saw and so I asked him about it and he told me it was Dark Souls and so he showed me some of the story and I was like I want to play this and he told me we could play together and so he has an Xbox too and I have an Xbox and so he would um I would summon him in to play with me and that's yeah. how we started the story together so how would you like talk about the Dark Souls games in particular to like someone who's never played it because i would say you know it's similar to like lord of the rings and game of thrones um particularly like game of thrones with like mm. you know the creator of dark souls currently making a game with george rr R. martin i think the best way i could describe dark souls to someone that has never seen it or played it is definitely a medieval game and like you said something like game of thrones or something from that time period where it's very dark and there's not a lot of light in the world that you see. And so whenever you start off in the game, like you see instantly you're thrown into this arena and you have to fight these boss people, these NPCs or enemies, if you say. And with the way you're fighting these people, you're like, do I, is it just a regular walk around and hassle and slash type of game? But quickly around, you learn that there's so much story that you can find in the game just by looking around and I think it's definitely one of those games where there's not a lot of I guess you could say like light and happiness but you do see this light and it's so beautiful because it's such a dark game hence the title Dark Souls I think when I'm when I'm saying like the word Soulsborne what am I referring to so Soulsborne is all the games made by From Software and those games are Sekiro, Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, and then Demon Souls, and now we have Elden Ring on the way. And Bloodborne as well. And Bloodborne. I forgot about Bloodborne. And Bloodborne is a PlayStation exclusive, as well as Demon Souls. I don't want to say this to like discourage anyone, but I feel like the game's a lot harder than most games I've played before. Um, I think it's a lot more unforgiving in the sense of with most games, you can just respawn and you instantly learn a move set of an enemy. And you're like, okay, I know what they're going to do next. But there's constantly new enemies and there's someone always around the corner that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, it makes it quite interesting to explore the world, doesn't it? Yes, I think it's one of those things where you're always like looking around and finding what's around the corner and you're just like always on edge. I think the thing that makes it the most hard is that there's it's so intricate and in design. And there's so many different details that you have to like learn from the game. And so the way the game works is like with attacking and defense, you start off with a shield usually with the character that you spawn in with and then you create. And so at first it's one of those things where, okay, if I block with this button, the shield can block them. But the problem with that is, is quickly you learn that blocking isn't always going to, protect you from an enemy and so then you have to learn rolling and then with rolling comes timing and so there's so many different things that you have to learn and then once you learn those things I think that's like 
when everyone says you get good. The first time that I like just kept on dying to an enemy was Vort of the Boral Valley in Dark Souls 3. And okay, so Vort of the Boral Valley is this huge beast that carries a mace and can charge in straight lines three or four times very quickly. And the problem with this beast is how huge he is. And he's on all fours the whole time with this huge mace. And so it's almost like he would be like a giant dog or something running at you, just charging at you, trying to attack you the whole time. But the thing you have to worry about is you're not worrying about his mouth. You're worrying about this huge mace the whole time. And it's so long and he's so long that you're like, oh my goodness, there's just this infinite range that he has that I don't with my weapon. And so at that point in the, like instantly in the boss fight, you already feel defeated because you're like, what is my puny weapon going to do to him? Whether it's a sword or an ax, or if you're a pyromancer, you're a flame, or if you're a dex build, you're twin swords. You know what I mean? Hmm. And so whenever you start in on the boss fight, he also has this frost almost that's coming from him. And it looks like everything around him is freezing. And with that, he has this frostbite. And if you get hit by the frostbite, enough of it consumes you and you'll become slower and you won't be able to dodge. So you're left open to his attacks. And also with the frostbite, it takes away your health. So that's something you have to worry about. And so what I noticed with Vort was like, there's so many different things that I had to worry about that I didn't think I was going to be able to worry about all of them at the same time and beat them. And so instantly, like, I kind of just defeated myself whenever I went into the boss fight. And it took me almost three hours to beat him. And I just kept on watching YouTube video after YouTube video, just like tutorial, like listening to it. I couldn't watch it because I was like, I got to beat him on my own. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like it would be on my own. But at the same time, I was listening to this boss guy. And I was like, I started to learn. I was like, okay, this dog, like, if I dodge here, I'll be okay. But if I don't dodge here, it's a one shot and it'll kill me instantly. And it was so like heart racing. But once you start beating these bosses, after you just keep on getting defeated by them, it's like this huge feeling in your heart. Like you just accomplished something that you didn't think you would ever accomplish. How many times do you reckon you died to Vort? Like if that took you three hours? <laughs> I want to say probably, probably about 50 times. 50 times. Yeah. And there's, there was some times where I go into the fight and I wouldn't even get a hit in and I would die like five seconds into the fight. And I'm just like, goodness gracious. Like, am I going to be able to beat this guy? But there was yeah. other times where I got him halfway down and I was like, I can do this. Like, I know I can. And so I think whenever you saw that, like, whenever I saw that I could get him down in HP and health, that he was no more of a difficult task than I was to beat. In Dark Souls, there is a gameplay effect called hollowing. This is when your character reverts into a weathered, zombie-like state, and it happens when the player character loses a status effect called Humanity. Your character starts the game in a human form, but if you die, you start to become hollow. Characters in the first game will routinely tell the player things like, don't you dare go hollow. In other words, to not give up. The hollowing system does not exist in other Soulsborne games, such as Demon's Souls and Bloodborne. It is a feature only found in From Software's Dark Souls trilogy. However, the Don't Go Hollow mantra is still relevant throughout the genre due to the difficulty of the games. Zach and I talked about the deeper meaning of going hollow 
both in Dark Souls and in real life. All right, collinsdictionary.com. If you describe a statement, situation, or person as hollow, you mean they have no real value, worth, or effectiveness. So it's basically like, you know, to be hollow is to have no significant worth and right. feel meaningless. Yeah. It's almost like you're a creature that's just living, but you're not living for a cause almost. Can you try to tie in the real world definition with going hollow yeah, in Dark Souls? Totally. Um, so for me in real life, I see hollow as suffering a great pain internally or externally and losing hope forever. And I think one of those, like a good way to explain it with hollow is it doesn't mean that you're hollow if you lose hope. And because everyone loses hope at some point, but the problem with it is, is if you go hollow, it means you lose hope forever and you've lost all light. So I think in the game, it would mean you're suffering this great pain, which means to die over and over again. And you're like, I'm done dying and you die for your last time. Mm. And so you're dead forever. And whenever you're hollow, you're this un you're almost like a zombified creature that's dead, but you're not actually dead. The other thing is when you use humanity, that's when you can interact with other players. Yeah. Like you can't interact with like real people who are playing the game unless you use this yeah. item of humanity. It's like where you meet other people in the game other than just the NPCs, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. And then you kind of, when you die, you lose that. And you're in this in-between state where like, but you can still like get out of that in-between state if you push through and, you know, like you're saying, like analyze the boss's moves and just keep trying like 50 times until you kill this crazy dog. Um, right. And then I guess like what, like when the player character actually goes hollow is when someone just gives up on the game and is like, it's like, it's beat me. I can't finish it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a, good way to explain it especially with humanity and like you find these other people in the game and you're like there's other people with humanity these other people that you interact with once you have humanity you see and so i think that's also a good way to kind of push you to not go hollow forever once you do die and lose your humanity is trying to find other people with humanity how do you think someone who who is suffering from depression can apply that to their real life um so I think depression is almost like you're in that in-between state that you referred to earlier. Well, you're not, you don't have humanity, but you're not hollow yet. So I think with depression, a good way that I found whenever I had depression, which was last year, and it was during the time I was doing my first Dark Souls 3 run. It was one of those things where I found that in real life for me to not go hollow was to push through every day, despite one thing going wrong or a million things going wrong. I kind of wanted to see everything that I could in a day, even if it was negative or if it was positive. And so that's how I think I went and found my humanity in real life was finding everything and like seeing the world newly every day. And the way I did that was through Dark Souls, finding new things every day. There's, you find new objects in areas that you didn't know and you find hidden rooms and hidden meanings to things and stuff like that. And so I think I referred it back to my life. Um, you know, the main thing I've 
seeing with these stories on like Reddit and YouTube is people going, well, you know, it's, it's the whole mechanic of the game where you die over and over again and you feel so helpless, but then you, you can do it. Like you can get through it if you try really hard and then you do. And that's like that feeling you were talking about before. Like it feels so good when you, when you finally yeah. kill that boss, right? And I guess like it's picking up that pattern of behavior of stuff in this game feels impossible to do, but I can do it. And like that helps them think about real life differently. Like things feel impossible, like to, to talk to people or to yeah. go to parties or to go to work or whatever. Someone suffering from depression, like that might feel impossible for them. Even to just wake up and get a shower for the day is one of those things that like whenever I had depression and whenever I had depression, it was also in the time that I cut my Achilles that I told you about earlier. So I was playing this game and I, like there was things in real life that I just like felt like I didn't want to do every day. Like I was like, oh, I'll get a shower tomorrow. But I think it, Dark Souls kind of pulled me out of that hole of not doing, just putting everything off. There's no better time than now. I appreciate the like you even have me on for this whenever I saw you post your post on Reddit and I instantly like knew this was something that if I had the chance to talk about I wanted to just because I saw so many posts online about how Dark Souls helps with so many different people's depression and like even videos on YouTube that date back to years ago before I even started the game and like just to think for how long people with depression have been helped because of this game I'm so thankful for it do you want to talk about your podcast as well Oh, maybe yeah. just maybe um, just say where people can find it and what what it's about, what why you started it. My podcast is called Socially Freezing. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, the app Anchor, and also Amazon Podcast. The name of the the name of the podcast, Socially Freezing, is talking about freezing social norms and accepting everyone for who they are, despite religion, race, gender, seeing everyone for humans, and whether that's with their music taste or their sense of style or anything, and just how we're all humans and all equal. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the Don't Go Hollow miniseries. If you'd like to keep up to date on future episodes of Don't Go Hollow, you can follow the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. If any of the topics in this episode made you feel the need to talk to someone, please consider seeking out one of the mental health hotlines in your region that offers phone calls or live chat features because nobody wants to see you go hollow.